Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. tonight the one the only former tna television and tag team champion gunner how are you tonight sir great man i hope you guys are doing doing great as well awesome awesome so do you like any other like i know you're you're a wrestling guy but do you like any other sports outside of wrestling yeah as far as watching it yeah i follow a little bit of nfl um Never, uh, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I try and uh, keep track of how they're doing. Um, but that's really about it, man. I, I don't really, uh, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I tell people that a lot of me and my me and my girlfriend are more in the Netflix and TV shows that uh, come out on DVD. So a lot of the times, you know, but uh, during the playoff season, I'm big on the playoff season. That's when I really get into it. Yeah, playoff season are always good to watch. Um, unfortunately, we're already on a bad foot because I, the, the Dallas Cowgirls are my least favorite NFL team. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully throughout this conversation, it'll get a little better. Uh, so yeah. the, the, the Cowgirls and the Patriots are my, my two least favorite teams. Uh, yeah. Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Fun, there we go. It's, it's already <laughs> rebounding. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a Titans fan. I, I'm a huge. Uh, I'm a huge Tennessee Titans fan because I start liking the Titans 
Um, I grew up a San Fran fan, but I became a Titans fan around 96 when uh, Eddie George uh, became a member of the Oilers at the time. I'm a huge Ohio State college football fan, diehard uh, Ohio State fan. So, so when he so when he came to Tennessee, and uh, I became a, I've been a Titans fan for almost 20 years now. So, yeah. Dallas, uh, I don't like Dallas because Dallas and San Fran are, are rivals. So ever since I was a kid, I was uh, I learned to not be a Dallas fan at all. So and I don't like the Patriots because <laughs> I don't like the Patriots because they're AFC rivals with with Tennessee, and plus they they cheat to win. So uh, they do. That's a fact. <laughs> yes. yes, they they inflate they they inflate footballs and uh, you know do all, do all that crap. So, so speaking crap. of uh, speaking of speaking of, uh, of of sports, watching sports, you you know I know that uh, you are you are a wrestling fan, you are a wrestling guy. Um, so let's just cut to the chase, man. What are your hopes for TNA? Uh, you know the, the there's there's no secret that you recently got released from TNA. What are, what are your hopes for TNA, and does the GFW mer- merger mean anything at this point? Um, you know, my hopes for TNA is, is I never want to see a company a company fail. Um, I got friends mm-hmm. that still work there. Um, you know, people out of respect that still work there. But my hopes are that everything you know is is good with the Destination America. I don't really know what's going on. I, I know a lot of uh, since I left a month ago. There's been more leaving. There's more rumors of. Uh, you know, uh, the the pay scale getting messed up or changed for these guys. And, and I don't know, man. And the GFW thing uh, was kind of a, a shock to me as well because I didn't, um, you know, I didn't know much about that. But, um, you know, I know Jeff Jarrett's baby has always been <clears throat> TNA. So, I mean, if there's something he's, he's trying to do like a, you know, a, um, uh, just like kind of a, you know, mix the, between the two, then, then I think, you know, he's got a good mind to kind of, Maybe help keep that company afloat. Mm-hmm. Now you started in 2010, and Jer- at that time, Jared was kind of <clears throat> drifting off. Uh, the, the, his, you know, he wasn't a um, <clears throat> he wasn't the, necessarily the authority. Dixie Carter was <clears throat> real big at the time. Um, you know, he, he he was more of a minority owner. Um, and then you know, when Dixie come, came around, there's there was many times where. You know, people would have. There would be many reports of of people having problems with pay. Now, was that your issue at all? I never had a problem with pay. I know, you know, it was a couple of times where I think the whole, uh, you know, some pay got messed up when it was, uh, you know, may have come in a couple of days late. I was always paid for the most part on time. I never was, um, you know, uh, never pay was ever kept from me or anything like that. I know I, I talked to a few guys who said, hey. Um, you know, they hadn't been paid in 30 or 45 days. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, like, come on, guys, you got to man up and friggin', uh, uh say something to these guys. Because, I mean, in our contract, it states that we're supposed to be paid for, you know, a certain amount of time um, after the shows or whatnot. But uh, for the most part, I was always paid on time and then paid right. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> you know, glad that you, you know, have that um, uh, testament as opposed to, other people who unfortunately don't. I, I, I like uh, watching shoot interviews all the time. I, from a journalism, you know, standpoint, you know, me being a journalist, I like just having that as far as that that, that database of of knowledge based on journalism and, and and being a radio show host. And I I really really like to hear people's behind the scenes 
experience uh, at a specific company. And I, I remember watching uh, Stevie Richards uh, uh, cut an interview one time, and he was talking about TNA. And uh, it, it was interesting because I remember him talking about you, – you mentioned Step It Up. And I remember him saying that, that he was just holding on – and you know, hoping for more, hoping for that spot, hoping for that opportunity to you know get over. Did you did you notice that in the back at all of people who didn't necessarily weren't happy with their pay, know they really couldn't make a livelihood, but they were being coached so much and and kind of mentally manipulated in a way by Dixie Carter that they 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 felt like they could hold on. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I don't know personally like, if they were being manipulated by or not. Uh, that that I'm gonna try to steer clear of all that stuff. But I mean, I know that a lot of the. I mean, there was some like bad morale in the back, and, and even for me, for the most part, a lot of the times, I, I mean, I got paid well with the company. I was taken care of for, um, you know, six years, and uh, for the most part, but I was never really happy with how. I was being used. Um, one time, obviously, when I was facing James Storm and getting a chance to kind of really show my skills and do my stuff in the ring, I was very, very uh, happy with what was going on. But after that, it was kind of like I fell off the face of the earth again, um, and it was nothing I did wrong. But, um, you know, there was times I was I was very unhappy with certain situations, for, you know, storylines, and I know there's this, the same in, in the back with some of the guys. They're kind of – I think a lot of them are just hanging on now because, I mean, they don't know where else to go. Um, yeah. Or what else to do? You know, I mean, they can work indies and do this and do that. But you know, my ultimate goal, man, is is to uh, I want to be a star. I don't want to be a, a guy who works Impact Wrestling. Uh, you see me once every six months. You see me at indie shows. Like I want to be on TV every week. I want to be one of the main guys for any roster that I wrestle for. And I feel like a lot of the times I was underutilized many times. Yeah, I think that's a great point uh, because I I can see you know people who are lower on the card. You know the reason why I can see why they're holding on is because at the end of the day, no matter no matter how you slice it, you still have that television exposure that you wouldn't have if you're working indies. You know, there's only a, a handful of people. I, I I don't remember who said this. Uh, I, I was watching an interview. Uh, someone made a good point that there's really only a handful of people who actually make it huge, really in the indies. I know Matt Hardy's one of those people. You know who. You know who make a, a good earning as far as his as his indie popularity is concerned, and, and 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 that helps him. But that's not everybody's story, you know. But and but at the end of the day, you still have that television exposure. Just in case something happens, people will still look at you, and indie promotions will still look at you. So I think you make a fantastic point there, um, as far as that that um, the independence is concerned. Now, who is your? We're gonna switch gears just a little bit. Who can you think of uh, of being the, the the worst person that you've wrestled in TNA? Uh, you know, man, I'm gonna uh, have to dig on that one a little bit. Uh, uh, the worst. Wow. I'll uh, give you some time to think. I'll give you some time to think about yeah. that right quick. Another, another thing I was thinking about was the fact that you, when you came, when you came with James Storm and was his partner, you, you, you were off TV for a while because it seems like they didn't really have much to do with you, and you just kind of jolted back on as being his partner because I remember 
you I think you were a heel before you left and then you came back teaming with with Storm and, and it, it kind of forced you in a babyface role and, and you were a very you know you were a very good heel as far as the intensity that you had. Now kind of kind of navigate us through that. Like what what happened in the back and how how that how was that created from you being such a big heel and kind of go, drifting away a little bit and coming back as a as a babyface with with James Storm? How, how did that come about? Well, I think there's many like many lost opportunities to really uh, establish me as a, you know you talk about a big heel. Uh, a lot of the times when I was in there with Garrett Bischoff and doing the stuff with uh, RVD, where I was power driving these guys or DDTing them on concrete mm-hmm. or trying to end their careers, I thought it was an awesome storyline, like a chance when they gave me the TV title, hey, this is a chance where they can build a young star. Um, they just never capitalized on it for some odd reason. But uh, I think once there was a time I remember where they were, they just stopped writing for me. And I sat at home for literally like seven or eight months. Uh, and when I say sit at home, I didn't literally sit at home. And I worked probably three or four indie shows a week. Um, so I never really sat on my tail. My, my goal was to always, hey, if they're giving me this time off, then I'm just going to go out here and make money. I'm gonna get my. I'm gonna keep my name relevant. I'm gonna get better. Um, you know, they give me the call. And I said, "Hey, you know, you've been off for a while. We kind of wanted to revamp you uh, as a baby face, bring you in a storm team, you guys, let you guys win the tag titles, and, and uh, kind of run with your military, you know, history, your background a little bit." Which, of course, all fans, most fans are gonna kind of jump on board with the whole Marine Corps thing. But uh, I totally enjoyed being a hill. It's one of my favorite things to do in the business. But uh, at the same time, I was like, well, here's a chance for me to be a baby face uh, to attach myself to James Storm, who, who's been around for such a long time, and a good chance for me to kind of uh, rise back up in the ranks, as you would say. Um, it was different for me. Baby face was totally different for me. I had to kind of revamp myself, not only uh, my character, but uh, my move set, everything. Like, I was so used to being the dirty heel, coming out there with flair, uh, just, just being a heel, like, even... Before I came to Impact uh, Wrestling with the NWA, I was I was always a heel, so it was totally new for me. Wow, that's that, that's awesome. And, and you know, I followed you, you know, the, the whole time in TNA, and I have a a, a buddy of mine who, who wrestled with the Onyx. I don't know if you remember Onyx. Um, yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he wrestled. He he, you know. Told, told me about how he wrestled with you and you know his his experience with you and yeah you I mean you were a heel you know the whole time and 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 it's interesting how I remember you know that the the, the strong heel the very intense heel to the babyface and I did see the shift but you know it to me it worked because you know like you said the whole military background you know it's it's kind of really tough to to boo anybody who's doing a military background especially you know we have you know chris melendez here you know and tna and it's it's really tough for him to 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 pull a heel run because he came in you know with with the quote-unquote defect you know and and but it but it's working out for him as far as being a baby face and i think he's getting over with that so it worked with you too and 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 the thing is it worked very well and and it was weird at first uh to me you know you and you and storm together because it just came out of nowhere but it seemed like you guys gelled rather quickly as a tag team and just the just the time that y'all spent together, just the tag team champs and then him turning on you and then you guys fighting together just really seems like 
uh, and it was one of the concentrated feuds. You know, it was only one of few concentrated feuds, you know, on a weekly basis in TNA. So, you know, let us know your thoughts on just really having that time to shine. It, yeah, you, you know, I mentioned that a lot, too. I got a lot of guys asking me my favorite feud. I said, well, definitely with James, just because, like, they really didn't rush anything. Like, we were fighting for five or six months. Um, mm-hmm. Not only the shows that people see or the matches that people see saw on TV, but we were doing that stuff on house shows as well. And um, it was my opportunity really to just kind of jump up as a single star. And working with James, he was always very giving to me. Um, you know, he was very respectful, and, and, you know, I was respectful towards him as well. But we were all about telling that story, making it the best possible. You know, we brought my father in, uh, doing a little skit with my father and all that stuff. It just kind of – I really think it got, for the most part, most of the fans emotionally involved finally into some kind of storyline and impact. It wasn't like one or two weeks long, and then the next week you see the guy in a totally different character. So they actually let us, you know, build build what we were doing. It sure did because James Storm before then he was a babyface for quite some time because you know he he was with uh, with Storm with the uh, beer money you know and they and and they kind of uh, broke off and then you know they they became a, a babyface tag team and split up and then Rude you know and then Storm became champ and then Rude uh, made his heel turn on on storm and storm was uh you know he was a face the entire time and so yeah we we know of storm being a heel but it was a while before we got to really experience that heel you know run from james storm so it like you said you're right it had that emotional involvement that really helped out so have you had some time to think about the, the the worst you told me the best but can you think of the worst yeah, you know, that's a question I've ever been asked before. I, I, you know, and when we say worst, I don't want to – like my most least favorite person that I've ever wrestled in Impact Wrestling is when I really first started with uh, me and Murphy as a tag team. And I always loved working with Shannon Moore. Um, I wasn't a fan of working with Jesse Neal that much. Um, nothing against him personally. So, you know, obviously the Internet will probably blow everything up. But, uh, you know, me and him have no problems with each other. But I just, I, I just couldn't uh, – I just felt like he was everywhere in the ring, um, and I felt like I was going to get hurt for the most of the time. I and just uh, he was one of my least favorites to work with. So there you go. I did have time to think about it. Yeah, it's it's funny that you said that because I interviewed Jesse Nail before, and he said that you. No, I'm joking. He didn't say that. But he, he <laughs> said, that would be funny. <laughs> no, he, be funny. He, uh, he he was he was talking about his maturity in the ring. So you make a good point. It makes it makes sense yeah. now because he was talking about how when he first got you know the opportunity and it came from Team 3D and you know he was still you know he was still green you know in the ring and he still had a lot of growing up to do and. You know, it, it, you know his his evolving and his, his his tenure really helped him be a little bit more fine tuned in the ring. So it, it makes perfect sense to me. I think you definitely you think it, it makes sense. So back to the positive. <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 it was more. It was more shaping, more improving. I think it was not necessarily negative, but. Totally, yeah. Um, so, he's still out there bumping and doing everything, man. So more power to him. I saw him a few. I saw him about three or four months ago, and he's doing great. So it's good mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, yeah. He's you know, and, and we talked, and like I said, I interviewed him. He's he's still doing his indie work, which is which is really good. I always, 
you know, when people get released from, from TNA or OH, you know, a, a lot of people who get released I still I speak with and they you know, they give me an update of what's going on and yeah, I you know, I I like when people are still showing their passion in the business and, you know, doing indie work and just like you said, you did indie work when, you know, you were you know, you were away from, from TNA for all that time. So oh, So yeah. speak speaking of speaking of doing work and working with people, are are there, you know, two or so people that you can think of that you would really want to work with uh by the end of the year that you haven't with yet? Yeah, I think by the end of the year definitely um and I mentioned this not too long ago, Jay Lethal. He was one of the guys that I really, really enjoyed watching. I still enjoy watching, but definitely when he was with Impact, uh he's a guy I respect and he he can go, man. I love to watch him. You know, there's been rumors about WWE being being uh interested in it, which would be awesome for him. But uh, Jay Lethal being one, um I always said Kurt Angle, but I'm not with Impact anymore, so I don't know if that's gonna happen. But uh you know, if it comes down to like some NXT guys or WWE guys um, definitely uh, Finn Balor, man. Uh, that guy, oh, he's yeah. another phenomenal. Yeah, he's another phenomenal guy that WWE snatched up, um, got lucky with him. But you know, he, he's really just tremendous at what he does. The, he was actually the first person I thought about when when I asked you that question. Uh, immediately, I thought of Finn Balor uh, because I think yeah. that for some reason you and Balor would just blow the house down because you're a really solid wrestler. I, you know, I think people and you make it. You make a very good point. Just you know, I don't. I don't think. TNA really utilized Gunner as much as they should have. I know when you and Murphy were tagging together, they just kind of broke you guys up to, you know, and kind of put the, t- uh, the TV title on you. But they really never got, they never really gave you an opportunity to be a main event guy. Now, there were a couple of times where I remember when you had a little push and, you know, you were in the title hunt for for a little bit and kind of, Kind of floated around the title hunt for a little bit and just and, and kind of got pulled back, but and people liked you. You were over, and, and for some reason they didn't they didn't give you that opportunity. I mean, would you? I, I guess would you? Who who would you kind of point that to? What you know is, is it something in yourself that you feel like you weren't really pushing enough? Was it the writers that really didn't have anything to do with you? Did you ever talk to the writers about it? How, what, how, can you point it to something? Yeah, and we talked to them. I mean, you know, I talked to the writers all the time. I was good, you know, had a close relationship with most of them. But they, you know, there was rumor of, well, Gunner can't cut a promo. Well, the fact is, like, they hardly ever gave me the microphone to even mm-hmm. try and cut a promo. And I keep, how can you say someone can't cut a promo if you don't really give them the opportunity to? So, um, you know, I think it was just a matter of a lot of the times I felt like uh, with my career in Impact, I was like a, a dartboard, and they were just throwing the dart at a different spot and saying, oh, okay, let's do this with him. And there was many times that they could have put me in the ring with guys like Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, um, you know, Eric Young, and these guys who would help elevate me, make me better, mm-hmm. that I think I missed an opportunity. I unfortunately missed an opportunity to work with these guys. But, um, yeah, I think it's just lazy, man. I think they got, I don't know, um, I was never told. I always said, hey, am I doing something wrong? Like, if I am, I want you to be the first one to come to me and tell me you're not going to hurt my feelings. Um, I need to know because that's the only way you get better. And they were like, no, man, you're doing everything fine. Um, you know, if they were lying to me, who knows? But, you know, personally, I know that every night I went in the ring, I gave 110%. So I knew that what I was doing in the ring was right. 
Um, you know, I had agents like Al Snow um, and, and uh, Shane Helms when he was down there said, hey, man, you, you, you're doing what you need to do in the ring. So I don't think it was anything on my part. I think it was just a matter of who's hot, who's cold at that time of the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that, that's a good point. I just wonder why something like like you and Angle, like I – why did not why did that not happen? I mean the, the intensity that you have and the intensity that Angle have that would be that would have been an amazing feud. It doesn't matter who I was bet. the face or the heel, Gunner yeah. versus Angle. It just it just doesn't make sense why that didn't ever that never happened. I begged for that, man. I begged Kurt and I was like, Kurt, I wanna work so bad he knew it and it was just like kind of out of his hands at the time and uh, I asked the writers and I was like and I'm not saying I'm by no means a Chris Benoit um, you know, I, I've always been a fan of Chris, no matter what he did outside of wrestling. But like, I felt like me and Angle could have been like that style of like that style of match. Yes. Like, just the intensity volume alone um, would have been awesome. Like he's a guy just man. I shake my head. Is like, why can't you just put me in the ring with this guy? He was he was, he was there always helping build stars, uh, build the younger guys, and you know, there's many missed opportunities with my career down there. Yeah, I am. I just, I it just, it just befuddles me the reason why I, that never happened as far as a, just a, a big feud. Speaking of feuds, if you had an opportunity to book yourself in WWE to, to from from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania 32, how would it look like? Who, how would you do that? And, and who would your WrestleMania 32 uh, opponent be? I think. Um... I've never really thought about that. Obviously, I would win the Royal Rumble. I would go with the WrestleMania. <laughs> for I, starters. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I, I really enjoy, um, oh, man, I really enjoy what they're doing with Seth Rollins. Like, this guy, I mean, I remember doing a, a uh, Ring of Honor show in 2010, and he was there, you know, as Tyler Black, and he's just a phenomenal athlete. He, he's great in the ring. Um, just, you know, he's like, I mean, Going there and go with guys like Randy Orton is just tremendous. So I would say two young buds. Like if if, if I had to wrestle a, a veteran per se, it'd be like Randy Orton or somebody. But when it comes to the new guys like you know Seth Rollins or even uh, Dolph Ziggler, I mean these guys are just tremendous and phenomenal what they do. And I was too. I mean I can definitely see you know me building a feud towards you know Seth Rollins has got a lot of steam right now. Um, you know they're really really pushing. They're really pushing him and Roman Reigns, and uh, it's good to see like young guys who really. Uh, kill themselves on the Indies, kill themselves in the Ring of Honor, like getting that opportunity. Yeah. Is there anybody now that's uh, popular in WWE that you work with in the Indies? Um, well, yeah, you got, um, what's his name, Xavier Woods, who used to be, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Consequence Creed. Yeah, Consequence Creed. I worked with him. Yeah. A, yep, Austin <laughs> Creed. I worked with him a lot when I started out in 2006 in uh, NWA. I think if there's anybody else on the main roster right now. There's some guys in the NXT I've worked with uh, a lot. I know a lot of the guys who, who, there. Who I from NXT? Uh, Dash Wilder. I don't know if you know those mm-hmm. guys yet. Dash Wilder yep. and uh, Dawson. Yep, the mechanics. Yep. And uh, those, yeah, those guys I've known since 2004. So good buddies of mine. And then you got, uh, let's see, who else is down there? Man, they got so many. Good talent down there. Adam Pierce being one of the coaches now. Um, I've worked yeah, uh, Scrap you know, Iron. A bunch, yeah, a bunch of feuds with him. So I, I know a lot of the guys down there, and um, what they're doing down there in NXT is what I hear is pretty amazing. 
Yeah, you 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 kind of uh, got yourself you made yourself popular with with your NWA stint. Now, what what NWA um, promotion did you work for? Uh, and I mean, as far as letting the letting the listeners know, and just really, how did you end up getting your break in in TNA? It was uh, NWA Anarchy, which was out of Cornelia, mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, that's the one I started with. When I got out of the Marine Corps in 06, I, I moved to Atlanta and started working with those guys, which in return, like, I got um, NWA Mid-Atlantic over, like, in Chicago, Milwaukee. I did NWA Hollywood with uh, Dave Marquez and Adam Pierce. Uh, NWA Charlotte, I mean, the names go on and on and on. But, um, my, you know, I remember it was 2000, 2007, I was like, 280 pounds, just uh, a power lifter look. Uh, Terry Taylor come down to NWA Anarchy because he was good friends with uh, some of the guys down there, and I met him. He's like, "Good Lord!" He goes, "You, you know, you, uh, you look good. You do good in the ring, but you, you got to trim down some. Like these guys just aren't that big anymore." So, uh, you know, I really, really killed myself dieting and doing all this stuff. Started doing a lot of WWE extra spots in 07 and 08 as well, and then, uh, but started doing more of the impact. You know, me and Murphy driving down there, kind of on our own, doing a security thing, getting paid a little bit here and there. And uh, 09 is when I signed with uh, signed with TNA. And it was Terry Taylor who got our foot in the door. They said, we need, you know, a couple big guys that look security. Uh, we're tired of, like, you know, getting these security guys where our wrestlers just maul over them. We need somebody who looks the part. So mm-hmm. that was Terry Taylor's uh, way of getting our foot in the door. Nice. So you worked as an extra in WWE. Who'd you, who'd you face? I did. Um, only did one one dark match. It was against D'Lo Brown in 2008 in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And they, they, I remember they liked me a lot. I even sat down and talked to Johnny Ace. Everything went good. Uh, but at the time, I was still doing the the TNA stuff as well. So it ended up me uh, getting signed with TNA before anything with WWE happened. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Ace. What, did you ever? Uh, was there any type of rumblings that you were ever going to be a member of Aces and Eights? And what is your overall view of that time in, in TNA? I liked the faction personally. I uh, enjoyed what we were all doing together. There was no, um, there was ever no, there was no. They they wanted to keep me babyface because I, I I tried my best to say, guys, it's time to turn me heel, but no, they didn't want to do it. But um, I enjoyed the Aces and Ace thing. I think it got a little far-fetched at the end when, when so many people were there. And when it was like yeah. three or four guys, I was like, that's where it needs to stay. Kind of like the NWO. NWO, NWO exactly. Well, yeah, all of the stuff. I mean, it's like, guys, come on. But I thought it was a really good, you know, it was a kickoff of the Sons of Anarchy kind of thing. But, I mean, one of the hottest shows on TV, why not add that to a wrestling TV show? But, you know, I think it was great. They had guys in there like Nux and um, Luke Gallows and uh, – well, Bully Ray was kind of the leader of it. Um, mm-hmm. I love what they were with it, but they just yeah. yeah, D-Lo was in it. Yeah, and, but I just kind of yeah. think he had a little far fetched there after a while. Yeah, yeah, I interviewed D-Lo as well, and, and you know he 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 was talking about uh, aces and eights, and kind of had that same type of uh, uh, um, mentality and, and you know uh, critique towards it. So right. speaking of from a creative standpoint, you you worked? Did you ever work with Russo? I yes, I did a lot when I first got to Impact. Once you know, it's a funny thing we talked about uh, how I got to Impact. But Terry Taylor was there. But once Terry Taylor left, me and Murphy kind of got thrown under the radar, and nobody realized that we were 
you know, we were actually wrestlers. We weren't just legit, you know, security guys. So uh, it was D-Lo who said, you know, hey, I worked with this guy in WWE before. Like, these guys are actually workers. So Vince was like, really? He ended up giving us a tag match, and um, Vince ended up kind of taking me under his wing. And I just recently did his uh, his podcast, and we talked and stuff, and he just he always liked my intensity. So he was always writing, for the most part, some really cool stuff for me. I remember I did the uh, I deal with Garrett Bischoff where I was hunting for him in the gym and beating up all these guys, and it was just uh, mm-hmm. it was really cool, man. But um, I always enjoyed working with Vince. I never had any issues. Um, sometimes his ideas were like, you know, all over the place, but for the most part, he would, he would ask you for your input. Like, what do you think about this, bro? Like, what do you think about this? And, you know, he'd give you a lot of leadway to do your own thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. You, you, you said, bro, I was thinking about him. How many times, the first time you met him, how many times did he say bro to you the first conversation? <laughs> it, it was like, bro, <laughs> you, 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 bro, just over and over again. Like Probably more times than I can remember, but it was always just, bro, you got to do this, bro. You know, come on, bro. I love it, though. That's <laughs> a gimmick. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's Russo for you. Yeah, yep. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, he – you know he he is a a very crafty mind. You know he, right. that, that needs to be honed in. You know and that's that's basically the best way. To, Jericho, you know Jericho explain, explained it, de- described him a, a very well one time as far as just saying that. You know he he had just so many awesome, you know uh, cre- creations and 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 ideas. He just needs to be honed in. You know and that's that's. Yeah. That's the thing because I, you know, if you know, sometimes when you let them loose, you got something on a pole match, or you got something type of something yep. going on, or so <laughs> for sure something's man. on the yeah, pole. Definitely. So <laughs> yep. that's it. <laughs> so so working with you, you know, you worked with Russo, and then you got you you came in during the Hogan and Bischoff era, right? So yeah. so how was it at working with them? I thought, of, man, you know, the the fan aspect for me was like welcome to Hogan. I was like, this is great. This is a guy I grew up watching when I was five who made me want to be a pro wrestler. Um, you know, I personally think that a lot of the, like, a lot of the times, like, there was a lot of oversaturation of Hulk Hogan on the TV show. But, you know, that wasn't for me to say anything about. But uh, getting a chance to work with Hogan, uh, work beside Bischoff, these are two guys that, once again, two that really believed in me. Like, Hogan always talked to me about my intensity and, Bischoff would always coach me on, like, what to do for the hard cam to make it look even, you know, larger than life. Because, obviously, in the impact zone, we're, we're like it's like being taped like a TV show. You only have three sides of the ring, and then the fourth side is just all the camera work. So uh, he was like, you know, still utilize that side because you got people at home that uh, don't know that. So you want to make it larger than life. But um, it was great for me. It was great for me to sit and just kind of listen to these guys uh, put stuff together. Um, listen to him do promos live while I'm standing in the ring. Um, it's just a really great opportunity for me. I got a chance to pick their brain many a times. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you're you're a solid worker. You're known. You know, you're a former television champion, tag team champion, TNA. You know, I I see you in NXT. Is, is that your desire? Do you, do you do you have a? I mean, I've, I've listened, I've heard, you know, seen transcripts of other interviews that you've been on, you know, recently, and we talked, you know, we talked about NXT. But, you know, what? How how big of it is? How how big is it of of a desire for you right now to to be in NXT and be in WWE? It's a huge. It's my main goal right now, to be quite honest. Like I, 
you know, even when I was with Impact for six years, uh, there was that part of me that said, you know, you've got to still eventually attempt uh, WWE. Like, that was my ultimate goal ever since I was a kid. WrestleMania, you know, we talked about just all these memories and, and the goals that I have. So uh, now that, you know, once I got released with Impact, it's been almost a month ago. My no-compete calls is up in two days. But once I got released, you know, I wasn't even worried. I was like, uh, it was a weight off my shoulders. I'd been stressed out for months about what, you know, how they were using me. And once it happened, I was like, okay, well, you know what, here is my time. I'm 33. I, uh, you know, I got a world of opportunity in front of me, and I think that NXT, what they're doing is amazing. And, and yeah, it's definitely my number one goal right now. Yeah, absolutely. So on, on an entirely different vein, there was an article that came out recently about uh, CM Punk, and he said something. I know that uh, you know you 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 wear your um, your, your devotion on your sleeve, and, and and you know with a lot of your tweets, uh, you know you, you don't you don't you don't hide the fact that you're you're, you're a man of scripture, and you know and you you appreciate that, and you devote yourself, and you know CM Punk uh, made a statement that's uh, thinking God is a weird thing to do. Uh, and what is what is your take on that? What, what was his exact phrase? You know, off the top of your head, like was it a weird thing to do? Like you said something about uh, like I see MMA guys who sometimes win these fights and they're like, I just want to thank God and all that stuff. I don't think it's weird. I mean, we all have our different views. I don't know what CM Punk. I never met him, so I don't know his uh, his views are on religion. But you know, for me personally, like it's like, an atheist. It's a huge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see, I mean, you know, and I got buddies like Ken Anderson. He, he's a he's a, he's an atheist, but we're like best friends. We talk about religion all the time, and and he knows that like my faith is a huge part of what I do, and and like um, it keeps me strong. It always has since I was in the Marine Corps and when I went through war. It's just I don't think it's weird at all. It's no no uh, no more weird than you know uh, anybody else's beliefs. Like I I'm a, a firm believer, and I respect everybody's beliefs. Like I get bashed. Not all the time, but out of, you know, once or twice a week, there's always somebody that's, like, just, you know, criticizing me for my Christianity or my beliefs or my faith. And the fact is, I mean, if you don't like it, don't follow me. If I don't like something that, you know, somebody posts, then you know, I don't have to read it. But it's uh, I don't think it's weird at all. I don't think it's no more yeah. weird than somebody doing the the uh, the cross, you know, the cross on their body, how you see the Catholics do sometimes before they go out to wrestle or saying a prayer before you wrestle or, um, whatever whatever your thing is to do, like whatever keeps you motivated, my faith keeps me motivated. Yeah, his, his uh, quote is, quote, I'd like to see people think their coach is more than Jesus, you know what I mean? I think their coach has probably helped them win. I just think it's a weird thing to do, unquote, is what he said. So, yeah, I... No, and it's, you know, I see where he's coming. Like, you know, a lot of people do forget to think they're coaches, but um, I personally never do. Like, I, I, I try and remember all the the ones who uh, helped me here on earth, per se, you know, whatever your beliefs are, I don't know. But, you know, I try to always remember those people, too. But in my faith, I always say that, you know, uh, Jesus or God is the one that gave me this opportunity and give me the people in my life to help me reach my goal. So I always thank everybody. Yeah, much respect. Yeah, I, I'm actually in ministry, so uh, we share the same nice. beliefs. So. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, <laughs> you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I, mean, it, I do, I like, do. I, uh, it doesn't bother me that I get that I get ridiculed. It just, it's been that way. I mean, uh, all Christians are going to get ridiculed. Everybody has certain beliefs that they believe in. 
Um, unfortunately, like me and Ken have conversations all the time about, uh, you know, I call them the Pharisees, the ones that are out in front of metal concerts saying that, you know, I'm going to go to hell because of the music I listen to. And that's the one that turn people away from, away from religion and make them question religion. And I hate to see that, but I try not to do that. I try to just, um, you know, I try to just put my faith out there. And if it helps somebody, it does. If not, then it doesn't. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we we both, uh, you know, or us being, you know, devout Christians, we know the the, the two biggest commandments is what one love, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then two, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So, you yeah. know, it's that it's it's the way that you know we want to treat others with love. If they don't share the same, you know, devotion as we do, you know, you know, we 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 share Jesus in a way that's attractive and you know and. Infectious, you know what I mean. So, right. and, I, and I think, right. and, I, and I agree with you. You know, as far as just, uh, you know, you, you don't want to thump, or you don't, you know, you don't want to do anything that uh, repels someone. But you know, love is the key. You know, love, love is. is the key. God is love, is what the Bible says. And so, you yep. know, that's 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 the biggest that's the biggest thing. So, very very interesting take. I, I appreciate uh, you know your, uh, you know, you sharing that. So we're gonna we're gonna end with uh, some name association. Uh, I got five names for you, and uh, just let me know your thoughts on them. Uh, we're gonna start off with Murphy. <laughs> uh, I'm good friends with Murphy, uh, so I won't say anything bad about him. Uh, yeah, I won't go along with all of them, but Murphy, unfortunately, I think he's another guy that didn't get an opportunity to impact. I've wrestled with him on the Indy 606. He's phenomenal, but uh, outside of wrestling, he runs his own personal training gym, uh, and he is a very knowledgeable and very um, successful individual. Outside of wrestling. Nice, Jeff. As as uh, Mike Allen would say, Jeff Harvey. Jeff Harvey. Yeah, I remember that on uh, Raw one time, right? ECW. Uh, it was ECW. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, dude, I'm oh no, no, no! Jeff. It was he was. He, I'm sorry. It was he was announcing for ECW. I think he said it. He got he got yeah. bumped to like some type of American Gladiators type of role on Raw. And then he right. said, you know, Jeff Harvey, Hardy. So. <laughs> yeah, he corrected it quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I've known Jeff since probably 07. Um, been a fan of him since I was a kid, watching him grow up, him and Matt. But uh, Jeff is, is uh, an amazing, amazing performer. The guy will do – we call him Gumby because he seems to hardly ever break anything or get hurt anyway. And if I did half the stuff he did, I would be paralyzed. But um, I like to always touch on – him outside of wrestling. A lot of people don't know that he would just, dude, he would give you the shirt off his back. He would give you a room in his house. So he's just that kind of person. Like he's, he's a caring individual. Mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard. I never really had too many uh, encounters with Bruce. A little bit in, in uh, impact. He, you know, he, he signed me one time. Um, I always just, uh, just I always took him as a businessman. I never looked at him as a friend or anybody I could trust. I uh, just looked at him as a businessman, and I will leave it at that. Mm. Austin Aries. I, one of those guys that I wish um, I worked him in a tag once, but I always wanted to work in the singles. Austin is another performer that can just he's, – he's amazing. Like He can go out there and paint a picture in that canvas that we wrestle in each and every night, no matter where he goes. Uh, and I watched him go on house shows and work just as hard on house shows as he does for TV or for a pay-per-view. 
and that's something I respect because I, I feel like I'm the same way. I always want to give 110%, and Austin was always that way. Absolutely. And then finally, Dixie Carter. Uh, Dixie gave me many uh, many years as an employee. I, I personally think that um, Dixie needs to listen to the wrestlers at times when it comes to promotion and, and uh, you know, um, going into different towns and not just uh, using Twitter or Facebook as a promotional tool. Like, you have to wrap trucks, man. Like, you look at WWE and their trucks are wrapped. They got their superstars on the trucks. They got billboards everywhere. They got radio shows everywhere. Um, I think there's a lot of things that she needs to do differently, um, listening to some of her guys that, that really know what you're talking about. But um, I always had a really good relationship with Dixie Carter. We were talking on the phone sometimes about things, but she was always respectful. But for the most part, I think sometimes she kind of needed to step out of the limelight and just let um, let the wrestlers do the job. Yeah, absolutely. Anything coming up for you, Gunner? Or Chad? Yeah, man. Or- Phil, or <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of different names, but uh, yeah, I got a, a show this coming Thursday, the 23rd of July, in um, right outside of Louisville, Kentucky, um, and then I got one J- July 25th in Richmond, Virginia, and my uh, my my months are booked. I'm booked all the way up almost to December so far with the independent appearances. So I, you know, if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at Gunner underscore Chad Lail. My last name is L A I L. So please follow me and I'm always putting my uh putting my, my schedule up there and trying to keep people, you know, in tune to where I am and hopefully uh by the end of the year maybe maybe uh maybe they'll see me on NXT. Awesome. Who's your most favorite wrestler ever? Last thing. My most favorite wrestler ever uh is probably Triple H. Um, wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's one you know, especially growing up as a kid, he was always one to kind of uh, mesmerize me with his selling and just his intensity. But I'm also a very, very huge Bret Hart fan, so and mm. Macho Man. So there's three I can throw out there, but Macho Man too. Ooh yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, man. man. I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, I I thank you so much. I appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing uh, your thoughts on TNA and uh, sharing, uh, you know. Uh, your your devotion to Christ, and uh, I really appreciate it, man. All right, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time as well. Awesome. Have a good night. You too. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. To the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbitten, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. 
God for my defense in Alabama. We jamming. That's beautiful. Bobby eating. Me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep. You all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back. We repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking. No mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trusting God we trust. Pushing forward. Never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power on. On the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You too. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Donner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Indeed it is. Thank you so much, Chad. Thank you so much, Gunner, for your time. Very, very interesting conversation. I really, really thank you for your time. Without further ado, we got a packed show, and let's get to Battleground. How are you feeling tonight, Derek? Hey, I'm feeling great. Pancakes and Power Slam Universe. We are here tonight. We just had another another excellent interview. Chris Featherstone finds them from wherever you want them to be. He gets them here on the show. And a, another awesome interview, very laid-back, insightful person. You know, not just a wrestler. Yeah, we want to hear all the juicy stuff, the details about his career, as you would. This is a wrestling show. This is what we do. But you get to know him on a, a different level, and you just you get more behind him. You get more passionate about what they do, and they just really let all the doors down, throw the doors open, and let Chris really prick their brain and just let them know that, you can be open here. This is laid back. We want to hear what you have to say. That's what he offers to everybody that comes to talk to us on Pancakes and Power Slams. Everybody in the chat room. I mean, doors are always open. Let us know what you think. Just have fun with this. And that's what everyone seems to do with the show, Chris. It's episode 174, and we've knocked open the door. Absolutely. 173, and I like to say teehee. Actually, 173 is tonight. Uh, 174 is tomorrow. To the future. <laughs> You're looking ahead, exactly. <laughs> Someone asked me on uh, the We Are Wrestling live stream if I said, how are you doing tonight, dear? And no, I said, how are you doing tonight, Derek? So, yeah, uh, thank you for your um, <laughs> thank you for your inquiry there. Uh, I have one deer, and uh, we we've been married for almost five years now, and we have two kids, so that's that's my deer. So, yeah, interesting. That was cool. It's good to hear. It's good to hear Benoit uncensored for once. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll talk about Benoit one day. You know, I think I think uh, you know we've been here for almost three and a half years now, and. We haven't had a. I mean, we've mentioned Benoit. We've talked about Benoit, but we haven't had a flavor of the week talking about Chris Benoit. So, uh, one of these days, we're going to. I mean, we've had some conversations, but uh, some extensive talk about Chris Benoit. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that uh, soon, sooner sooner than later. Flavor of the week this week is we're going to talk about uh, Derek and myself are going to uh, 
let us know, let you guys know our favorite and the best WCW NWA World Tag Team Champions. And so we're going to talk about that. Let's get to Battleground. we got King Barrett defeating R-Truth in the pregame show. Uh, you know, this is, this is pretty much a given. Uh, it just made sense because, you know, t- t- tough enough, you know, it's, 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 it's a hybrid. It's live slash not. Uh, they, they talk about their time in the barracks and, and you know, the, the routines that they work with and so forth. King, King Barrett came out with his, uh, the King of Bad News shirt. So of course, you know, he was going to win. Otherwise they wouldn't have him wear that shirt before, uh, you know, during, uh, the, the battleground time. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I like R-Truth. I know a lot of times R-Truth gets some criticism. You know, the way that they book him, I understand why people criticize him, but I respect the heck out of the guy. I, I'm a I'm a Ron Killings fan. I, I, did, I couldn't stand him when he was K-Quick. I think it was horrible. And like I said, I've said this many times before on the show, what what turned me around is the fact that, they, that you know, TNA gets a lot of criticism, and I'm, you know, I'm a fellow criticizer of TNA, and I've said many things on the show about TNA, the highs and the lows. You know, subscribe to iTunes and, and check that out as far as previous episodes. But I've said, I've said my fair share. I've, I've given my fair share of criticism to TNA. But, you know, there, there were a couple things that, that TNA did that really helped people. I think that it helped Rhino become, you know, over again. I really think it helped Christian, uh, you know, with when he left, you know, uh, WWE. He wasn't, he was not being well booked. He became a champion. You know, he became a main eventer in, in NWA, and you know that was really his big, his his first big world title. You know, uh, he ended up becoming World Heavyweight Champion, uh, but uh, NWA uh, World Heavyweight Champion was really his first big break as far as a a, a, a notable and established world champion. Uh, so that, that helped him a lot, and he became ECW World Champion as well. And I think it really helped Ron Killings. I think, I think one of the best success stories for TNA as far as longevity is concerned is is Ron Killings, and, and it really helped him. It really uh, gave him an opportunity to shine. I mean, going from K Quick to Ron the Truth Killings was one of the biggest jumps that you know from from people following wrestling from the Attitude Era, kind of the Attitude Era, more more ruthless aggression because he was he wasn't necessarily an Attitude. I think it was what like ninety nine to I think it was ninety yeah you know, around ninety nine. So it was branching off of attitude and going into ruthless aggression. So he was at the tail end of that and just had a really odd spot going into Ron Killings was was a, a shocker, you know, for him to be a main event guy and it really helped him out. So I respect the heck out of our truth, but the King What's Up, you know, the 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 the, the paper crown and the and the, and the Towel of, of the being a cape, I, you know, I think that that was. I was glad that he lost because I didn't want to see that anymore. Yeah, I mean that's kind of jokey. I mean, especially uh, with you just mentioned. I almost forgot about K Quick. I haven't thought about that name in years, and I almost remember him and Road Dog used to uh, have a 
thing together after outside of the New Age Outlaws after the whole deal thing. Just, but um, yeah, I respect our truth, and I think it's yeah, the plunger is dumb. They fill it with water, so it's splashing everywhere like you just plunged the toilet. And he's got the the cape of a, a towel. That's kind of going overboard. I'm kind of done with it. I remember a lot too long ago he was putting like championship belts under his shirt and yeah. trying to conceal it. It was obvious that you now anybody, a blind guy, can say, "Hey, look at that." So what they're doing with him doesn't help what he's doing. I mean, I'm glad that he still has matches, even though it's a pre-show for a smaller known pay-per-view. But I mean, pay-per-view ended up being awesome. However, yeah, it's. You know, King Barrett deserved that win, and our truth deserves to lose. Plain simple, yeah. clean cut. Absolutely. Trivia question: What was the Godfather's name in GWF? What was the Godfather's name in GWF? Then we get to uh, Randy Orton defeating Sheamus. I know that this was, you know, they were in St. Louis, and so it made sense for Orton to win. Uh, it was a solid match. It wasn't nothing huge. The RKO was a little anticlimactic, but at the same time, it, it was a solid match. I mean, two two very solid workers in the ring in St. Louis, so, so it was a good spot for Orton. Yeah. Uh, RKO is probably the best match he's had in a while. And again, we talked early, well, not earlier tonight, but in past episodes, and he's gotten stale lately. I mean, this is a good uplift for him, but I don't see any long term feuds or anything about this to come. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, what in the world is primetime players. Uh, another win over the new day. I just, I just don't understand that. And for some reason, like, how is the new day going to explain getting another title shot? Now we saw on Raw that they distracted them against Los Matadores, so maybe they'll kind of distract their way into another tag team title match. But you know, just the the the, the WWE has probably made one of the biggest two, – two mistakes. Two, two of the biggest mistakes that the WWE have made booking-wise in, in 2014 has been Kevin Owens, and we'll get to that, and, 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 and the New Day. They were they were red hot. They were white hot just a few months back, just a, just a couple of months ago. And not only did they lose the tag team championships, but they lose all the time now. And, and it's like – you know, their win-loss record is very lopsided in the loss column, and you're not building the New Day at all, and they're still over. They're they're way over. I was looking at the, the, the pre-show and listening to the commentators. You couldn't help but to hear New Day sucks at, you know, in the background, and New Day was nowhere near anywhere and this is that's the same thing that happened at money in the bank i was actually at money in the bank live and new day sucks new day sucks and new day was nowhere to be found so people are cooked still and new day why in the world would you creatively just fizzle them out and just and just really just really destroy their push it made no sense of, it just makes no sense at all to me I don't get it. I don't think anyone gets it. I mean, obviously, like, even if we saw last night on Monday Night Raw, the New Day still has things going for them. They still have 
so much tremendous heat against them. The crowd really loves it and gets into it. And they're, is this supposed to be something when they finally win? Are they going to turn them face? That wouldn't work for them. And I don't understand why they're giving the primetime players so much. Unless they're trying to build up another team that they can think and compete with these guys. But I just, it's still, it just doesn't, the iron's hot and you let it be hot, then you let it sizzle, it's still sizzling, still sizzling, still sizzling, what's going on? Yeah, I agree. There's a there's something in me that would love to see from, from a from a promo standpoint. I would love to see the New Day versus Enzo and Cass. I mean, if you're if if you're gonna bring people up from NXT, bring up Enzo and Cass because they are you know the New Day is my favorite tag team. Enzo and Cass is my second favorite, just as far as WWE and NXT. I, from from a promo standpoint, I think that that would probably be one of the most entertaining tag team feuds that we have seen in a long time. Uh, and I, I've said before that Enzo Cass reminds me of a, of a modern day New Age Outlaws from a entertainment you know point of view from the mic and just getting people in. And you know, uh, New Age Outlaws was really big on call and response type of mic work. Enzo and Cass is the same way, and you can't teach that and so forth. Bada boom, really, guys in the room, how you doing? And and I think just Enzo and Cass versus the New Day, the, the, all five of them can put on a, a great, you know, uh, a, a great match. You know, you have you have Big Cass, huge dude, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. And you have Big E. Who's probably about five feet tall? <laughs> you can't teach that, but he's you know as big as an ox. But and you have you know smaller guys, Kofi and and Xavier Woods and Enzo Amore. I, I think it'll be an amazing feud. I just want Enzo and Cass to to win the NXT championships, uh, the NXT tag titles before they ca- get caught up because for some reason they just keep they they just keep reaching and, and just. Letting it slip away for some reason. I don't know why they have haven't won the tag team titles yet. Bray Wyatt defeating Roman Reigns. We both called this. It was just something about Battleground that I knew that they were going to carry over to SummerSlam. However, there's some there's some intriguing things going on with this. I think you know I, I like the fact that the, they're still building Roman Reigns up organically. I like it. I, I think the St. Louis crowd's a bit outdated as far as booing Roman Reigns because I think that that's that phase and and, and that kind of uh, buzz is is over with and has been over with as you can see every week and as you can see the night after on Raw in Kansas City it was. Completely, it was two completely different crowds. For some reason, St. Louis didn't like Roman Reigns; they were booing him. Kansas City loved Roman Reigns, and they were cheering him like crazy. So it's interesting how Missouri crowds are. But I like it. I like the organic build. Reigns losing helps his. You know, like I say all the time, there's two types of there's two types of uh, of gimmicks that will always forever. Get over. That's the mystery, the, 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 the mystique gimmicks, and the underdogs. Those are two gimmicks that always get over the, the mystique and the underdogs. That's why Taker is huge. You know, from a from a legendary standpoint, one of the best ever. He's the mystique. That's why Daniel Bryan is huge because he's the underdog. You get the mystique pops, the underdog pops, tried and true, never ending. No matter 
no matter how much you know, no matter how many generations you have, and the you know the the good thing with with this is they're building Roman Reigns to get those underdog pops, and it's and it's working because they're building him organically and it's working, and him losing to Bray Wyatt helps too. And it wasn't it wasn't clean win. It still protected Roman Reigns because of the Luke Harper interference. I like that Harper and Wyatt are, are back together. They they need each other from uh, a really uh, a status and, and, and a really uh, positioning standpoint as far as where they are on the on the on the pole totem pole. But at the same time, it's like. You know, you brought Ambrose in with Raw, which made sense. I like the Ambrose Reigns, uh, you know, team. Uh, Reigns is going to continue to get that those pops by being affiliated with Ambrose because Ambrose is still, you know, he's being booked horribly, but people still like him. And you know, with with uh, reports that we're going to see more of this evolve in the next, you know, weeks leading into SummerSlam. Where there's going to be a third member of the Wyatt family, you know, Eric Rowan makes sense, but he's you know he's out with injury, so hopefully he comes back. I still I want the original Wyatt family together, but I understand if if Rowan's not able to do it because of injury, but somebody's going to be back in the Wyatt family as a third person, or somebody's going to be in the Wyatt family as a third person, and then of course there's the rumors that this, that Sting would be involved. Uh, towards the latter part of the feud, so I like this. I like where it's going. I think it has great potential. What if uh, Sting is a third person? Why it's party? That would be absolutely horrible. Yeah, it would be. I agree. But I just thought yeah. of that a couple seconds ago. <laughs> but I mean, the feud itself. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a good thing for Wyatt to finally find something to kind of hold on to, and not just be another. I come out and fight you, and put on a lousy match and leave. So they can drag this out a little bit, and they should. Ambrose and Orton, or I'm sorry, Ambrose and Reigns, it's a really good match between the two. It's organic. Everyone knows they go back to the Shield, they're buddies. That's great. With Owen and Luke Harper, I'm really excited about this. I mean, this is something that kind of came out of nothing. Where are they going to go with this? And they they have a direction. What they do with that has yet to be seen. But it's something that, you know, Wyatt has something to be proud of for the moment, you know, and Ed Reigns, of course, always, he's Roman Reigns, so he's he's always going to get the benefit of the doubt, but Wyatt does need Roman Reigns at this point to kind of push him to what he's trying to get at, but again, we'll have to see when the weeks come. Absolutely. Charlotte defeating Brie Bella and Sasha Banks, you know, Divas, hashtag Divas Resolution, uh, Divas Revolution, Oh man, absolutely! I, I love the fact that they are really pushing Charlotte out of all of them. I I, I think Charlotte. I, I like Becky Lynch a lot. Um, I like I like Sasha Banks a lot. I think both of them are absolutely amazing. But Charlotte Charlotte should be the person. Charlotte out of all all three of them should get pushed. But Charlotte should be the person. I think that she has that natural. I mean, she's a flair. I mean, you can't. There, there's. You can't deny that she has that natural charisma. She has the natural ability, and she's a pro in the ring. And Charlotte's the one. I, to me, I think Charlotte should be uh, the the representative of the Divas Division. She's over. 
you know, only thing she needs to do is one chop, and she's got the whole crowd saying, woo, she's a flair, I like it. And I think, you know, for for a long time I said Paige should be the person, but, you know, I, I'm going real sour on Paige, to be honest with you, because, one, she's not being booked very well, and then, two, you know, every every week I watch Tough Enough, including this week, I just get more and more sour on Paige. I mean, she's just a 22-year-old whiny, jerky, just kid. I just, I just, it just, she just, she just makes me upset. Now, why in the world would you have a knockdown, drag-out inter- uh, argument with the Miz on on Tough Talk when Patrick gets uh, eliminated? Just. You know she needs to cool that down. Someone needs to talk to her about that. She's she's only 22. She's young. You can uh, the more and more we see real page. You know the the not the not the total divas page that that's scripted. The you know the 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 page that's and and tough enough. I just grow more and more sour with her. Charlotte's, you know, older. She's more mature. She's more mature in the ring. And, you know, she is the, to me, she's the representation of the Divas division. Uh, she is, and she should be. And I would love to see Charlotte versus Paige at SummerSlam or in the next, you know, few pay-per-views to come. And just I'll totally destroy it. No, that, for me, that would, because I'm in the same boat with you. When Paige came in, I thought, oh, wow, this is, she's going to do something. She's going to not be a diva. She's going to be the anti-diva. Well, that's far from the truth, and, you know, whether that's up to her, WWE, whatever, scripting is horrible. Sucks. Charlotte, they almost have a new clean slate with. They could do something with her, but I'm not going to – they could really do something good between her and Paige, I believe. But, again, WWE always has a way to make it more diva, diva-ish. Than it should be, or than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I would be totally fine if it was straight up Charlotte versus Nikki Bella at SummerSlam. I know they'll probably do a three-team type of thing, but I would I would do Charlotte versus Nikki Bella at at SummerSlam. I would have Charlotte win, become a champ, and you can spread. You know, you, you you can do these little matches that they do. You know, your representative, pick your representative. It's easy to do that, and you can easily have a three-team match at Survivor Series. It just it just makes sense to you know if you want to stretch it out, stretch it out. Have Charlotte win the title, and uh, have a rematch. Have Charlotte win the title at SummerSlam. Have a rematch against Nikki Bella at Night of Champions. Uh, and then have some type of tag team match or something like that at uh, uh, at October's pay per view. Uh, I think it's Hell in a Cell, and then November's pay per view, SummerSlam. Uh, excuse me, Survivor Series. You know, have them uh, have them do a three team match. It would just makes makes sense. And then, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we have to say that we 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 have to. We have to, we have to do that. Uh, Cesaro uh, quote here. I don't get that Cesaro can't be their guys. Clean cut has charisma and will carry himself like a champion. Don't get what's holding him back. Hopefully Triple H keeps the gun load and firing. Fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic comment there. He wasn't even on the, the battleground. And you know, first of all, the battleground ended eight minutes early. They had a pointless Miz and Big Show segment that we'll talk to here in a minute. And why don't you take, you know, why don't you 
add a little bit more minutes to the eight minutes that it came off early and, you know, just totally nix the Miz and Big Show segment. And why didn't they do Cesaro versus Rusev at Battleground? They had a fantastic match on SmackDown. Cesaro pinned Rusev cleanly on SmackDown. And still, you know, even Cena was the only person other than what we saw on Raw when Orton did it. Cena was the only person since Rusev has debuted that has pinned Rusev cleanly. So there's still some, you know, and Cena don't count because Cena, Cena. So there's still a little, there's still a little bit of money still left in the fact that who's going to pin Rusev cleanly. And Cesaro is the new, you know, Cesaro is the second person ever to pin Cesaro. Cesaro is the second person ever to pin Rusev cleanly. Why didn't you make? Why didn't you make that a money match and put it on Battleground? That you could have just, you could have just plucked that from SmackDown, put it on Battleground, and it would have been, it would have been a bigger stage. It would have really gave Cesaro a time to shine. Yeah, he main evented on Raw, which was good, but it would have really gave you know uh, Cesaro an opportunity to shine if they just place that match on Battleground and have Cesaro pin Rusev like he did on SmackDown. It would have made more sense to push Cesaro on that way instead of instead of doing it on SmackDown. It absolutely would, and the reason they didn't do that, Chris, is honestly is because. They don't listen to pancakes and power slams and know how to run things. Because right. they just, it, it, it was, just, I mean, the Miz, it was a dumb, pointless, I could have lived without it, everybody could have. I'm embarrassed I had to watch that because I'm not going to remember it. And that was the lowest point of Battleground. And it was, exactly, they could have done something with Cesaro and just really made that shine. It's, but, you know, in the, in the weeks to come, we'll see if they can smarten up and realize that this is a Cesaro is, I mean, he came out, he was in the main event of Raw last night, for crying out loud. They want to give this guy everything but a decent pay-per-view spot. Yeah. So it, it's, exactly. you know, what are they using him for? He's just an easy, they will throw Cesaro in there because we'll know that people get excited. But they don't want to use him on the main, main, main stage, like a pay-per-view. But they can put him on the main stage of Raw. Uh, yeah, great point there. Another great point is uh, the fact that uh, Cesaro is getting over like Brian from two years ago. Fans are going to hijack the rumble for him. I don't know if if he's that over. I think that uh, the I think the WWE is putting the reins on him enough for him not to have that hijacked effect. Uh, the reason I think the reason why it was so easy for the WWE to hijack uh, the Royal Rumble for Daniel Bryan. It's because of the yes movement. To be honest with you, without the yes move, without the yes movement, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro are one and the same. Because you have to think it from a business standpoint. What makes you above the rest? What makes you, you know, uh, transcend just a bunch of other really good wrestlers? You have to have something catchy. You have to have a, a statement, a catchphrase, a you know. Some gesture, something, something, some taunt, something that's catchy, and I think the yes movement, the, the, the it, it differentiated Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. Cesaro is amazing in the ring. We've seen that. Uh, I follow Cesaro since he was Claudio Castagnoli, so 
I've seen hundreds of, of Cesaro matches, and he's absolutely amazing. So that's that's without question. But what makes him different? What makes him catchy? You have to think of from Vince's eyes. What you know? Why isn't Cesaro you know grabbing the brass ring? And I think as much as I think Cesaro is amazing, you know, there's. I think that we just need. I think we need to give him an opportunity. What is it that Cesaro can do that can put him above the rest? That can put him above the really good wrestlers until someone that's catchy. Until how how can we create the Cesaro brand? Because Daniel Bryan has a brand, the Yes Movement. What can we do? What can Cesaro do to create? the Cesaro brand that people will, you know, just cling to and gravitate to. I think that's the biggest question that we have to ponder, uh, you know, in our in, in our heads as far as differentiating Cesaro, Cesaro from being a really good guy, a really amazing wrestler to a main event star. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, John Cena and Kevin Owens, oh, man, I'm not going to say much about this. Because, you know, we're, we're kind of tying in Battleground and Raw as well because of time. But, you know, I, I read something uh, I, read, I read something a couple of days ago, a day or two ago. And it was uh, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talking. And they were talking about how, you know, Vince talking about, yeah, I'm a, you know, I... For, for the sake of this, I'm plugging other podcasts, but people know. Alvarez and Meltzer are very well known in the in the wrestling world, but they were talking about how John Cena, Vince panics when John Cena's merchandise sales go down. So basically, the reason why we see all of these people, you know, Ryback a few years, a couple years ago, uh, Rusev, Bray Wyatt, and now Kevin Owens, the reason why we see them kind of have a spark of hope of getting over Cena and then just crashing down is because they, they, they mentioned how Vince panics when he sees a dip in Cena's merchandise sales. So because of that, you know, he goes in panic mode. He just kind of vetoes everything else and 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 says Cena wins. So I, I'm not, uh, you know, take that as whatever you want to take it. That is not confirmed information that I, you know, my sources have told me to be true. I'm not quite sure, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense. I I, I have to say that, and we saw that, and we're seeing that with Kevin Owens. I think that they did a horrible job in retrospect booking Kevin Owens because he loses the NXT title to Finn Balor. He loses to John Cena at well let me let me do it from a timeline perspective. He loses to John Cena at Money in the Bank. He loses to Finn Balor at uh, Beast in the East and then he loses to John Cena at Battleground. I mean there's no momentum going for him anymore and it's quite sad. Yeah, his uh, ship has sailed, and uh, you know he can come back. They can bring him back. I mean, he sparked that thing that you just don't see in a while. So many people are behind him, but it's they they let him lose so many times now. It's just 
And uh, granted, he put on awesome matches. He's put on a spectacle, no matter who he's against. But, yeah, you're right. He's lost. There's nothing really. He's got the, I don't know, I don't want to say the Ambrose curse, but there's, what, what's his future going to hold right now? I mean, is he going to go back to NXT? And I mean, what's he going to do there? He's already won the belt. You know, he's went head-to-head with and toe-to-toe with John Cena. What, what's he got there? I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. People are bringing up the swing and the Cesaro swing. I, I like that idea. I, I like that. I like the fact that uh, people are saying that. Um, you know, I I think that's a you know I, I would agree with that. And, and if you're doing the swing, do it. You know, have the swing. Let people yeah, people get into it. You know, uh, have have merchandise. They kind of tried to do this uh, the merchandise when he was with Heyman. But it didn't work with the. I think he had like a a jacket, and it just didn't work. Uh, the whole King of Swing that didn't work out too well, and they probably stopped doing that because of the King, you know, King of the Ring, you know, talks, and and then before, and eventually they did it. So if you're going to sell the swing, sell the swing. I think if you if you're going to do it, do it. Um, and then we have next question: What year did the Brainbusters win the World Tag Team Champions, and who did they beat? What year did the Brainbusters win the World Tag Team Championship, and who did they beat? All right, so uh, Brock Lesnar defeating Seth uh, Rollins by disqualification because of the Undertaker. So I I was upset. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I tweeted it right there. I, I was upset. I think the whore, I you know I was maybe a little bit. I was probably speaking passionately because I said the I said the Undertaker looks horrible, and to keep that in context, he looks horrible based on, you know, what we've seen. Not last year. Last year it was even worse. He looked more like Uncle Fester, but this this WrestleMania he grew his hair out. He got in better shape. He looked a lot better than last year, but just in his face, you saw it. Just you know, he's got a gut, and it's just you know, you know, I was, I was having a conversation a couple of days ago, and, and uh, with with Ryan actually, and uh, you know, he he was for for a second he was trying to he, he was trying to rationalize with 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 Taker, and I said, oh no, you know, you have you know he was he was he was mentioning how he hasn't wrestled in a while, and and you know, what almost four months, and so. He didn't, you know, it would make sense. And I said, no. I said, there's no excuses because his wife, Michelle McCool, is a fitness trainer. So there's no there's no excuses that you can give me the reason why The Undertaker is not, you know, in shape. And I'm a personal trainer. I've I've, I've trained a 62-year-old woman before, and, and, and she was in phenomenal shape. And so there's no way, and I know a lot of 50-year-old trainers and, and, and people who uh, are in very good shape for 50 years old. So you can't you can't come and give me any excuses of why a 50-year-old, you know, is not in, in, in great shape when they're semi-retired. So I, I, I'm not buying it. I just can't buy it. And I, I called him Uncle Mark. You know, on on Sunday because I was so frustrated with the way that he looked, and then eventually on Raw, you know, the build was a little bit better that we saw with Lesnar. I don't want to see Taker Lesnar too. I have no interest in it because, you know, if Lesnar wins, it, it diminishes Taker even more. If Taker if Taker wins, it diminishes the streak even more. So I have really no excitement for Lesnar Taker too. It'll be interesting. 
I think Raw did a good job with with the build, but it didn't wow me at all. I mean, I, to me, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's for the long run if it's the best thing to do. It just kind of shows they don't know what to do with Brock Lesnar as far as the title goes now because they've got another story wrapped around it. I marked out on The Undertaker. I, I wasn't expecting him to come out. I heard rumblings that he was going to be on Raw or something. But just the way that he comes back and says, you've tarnished my name enough, I'm tired of it. This is what I'm to do. I, I honestly, I did mark out. The smart wrestling, the smart in me was like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah, he doesn't look great. You know, everybody ages differently. Everyone's metabolism is different. I'm not going to make that an excuse, but it was The Undertaker. And I, I kind of like the spin that they're doing where he doesn't, you know, you've disgraced me for so long. I'm finally going to come back and say enough is enough. So from that point of view, I think it makes it a little more interesting. It's not just, you know, I'm coming back to beat you up and wreak vengeance on you, which he's going to do, but I don't know. I honestly, I enjoyed it, and I think in the short run, it's good. But in the long run, again, what the outcome is going to be, I'm not sure if it's, it really fits what's going on. But, again, they just don't know what to do with Brock Lesnar right now, I guess. Right. He's so a face that's, of the hill. He's a face of the hill. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 89 and demolition is the correct answer. Good job. Uh, run out of time here. Uh, real quick on Raw, Undertaker and Ring promo. Charlotte defeated uh, Brie Bella. Uh, Los Matadors defeating PTP because they get distracted. Big Show defeating Miz. We got the Paul Heyman promo with Undertaker and Brock Lesnar run in and have a big old scuffle. Reigns defeating Hart by DQ because of Wyatt. They go back and forth with Ambrose and uh, and Reigns go back and forth with Wyatt and, and Harper. Steph Rollins in a promo interrupted by John Cena, which we will talk about more. We don't have time tonight, but Rollins and Cena, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Just, oh, when he came out, that was the worst part of the night to me when he came out. I said, oh, no. Not Cena in the main event again. Please, no. Don't do some stupid title versus title or something stupid like that. Oh, that just, I was so upset when he came out. And we'll talk about that in future weeks. We'll see how that pans out. I hope I hope we don't see Rollins seen at, at at SummerSlam. I really do. I really do. I really hope we don't see that. Banks and Naomi defeating Paige and Lynch and then Owens seen as our old defeating Rusev Owens and Sheamus. Good main event at the end. Derek, who is your favorite tag team? Uh, who's your favorite television champion of all time? Favorite television champion of all time. Uh, I thought you were saying tag team champion of all time. Uh, favorite television. Honestly, I think Tom Zink, Brian Pillman was great. Uh, of all oh, time, really... if you had one, if you had one person to say this is the favorite uh, TV champ, I don't think Brian Pillman was TV champ, but I know Tom Zink was. He beat Arn Anderson. Who who's your favorite uh, television champ of all time? Uh, actually, uh, Steve Austin was. Yes, he was. He was. So, I do remember him wearing that, and I think it, it was after the Hollywood Blondes, if I'm right. But. Uh, mm-hmm. So, was Steve Austin was, your favorite of all time? Probably my favorite. Yeah, to me, again, that was kind of a, a title that didn't make. You know, it was kind of like a European title, in my opinion. But uh, mm-hmm. that's what I say. 
I loved the TV championship. I love it, and I, I, I love it in ROH, too. I think that there's something about the prestige. I mean, there. I would encourage you, Derek. I know that you're you're an NWA and a WCW uh, WWE guy. More WWE, you you, you explained in previous shows because of the exposure you had uh, to watch television. But I would you you have the network. I would encourage you to 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 go back in time and watch some Clash of the Champions and uh, older pay per views. And the prestige of the television championship was just absolutely amazing to me. My favorite television champion is Booker T. So I loved how Booker T kind of resurrected it in the late 90s. Uh, his feuds against uh, Fit Finley and uh, even uh, uh, Rick Martell and Perry Saturn. I think that that was a good resurrection. Uh, his best of seven uh, with, with Chris Benoit uh, was, was really good. That was actually one of the best uh, TV title things uh, was the was the best of seven with uh, Benoit and and Booker T, and but I think you know when you think of TV championship, you you have to think of Arn Anderson. I mean he he is the guy um, that that just really tips off the, the 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 television championship as far as prestige, and then of course the rivalry between Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard uh, is absolutely amazing, and that's one of the that's one of the reasons why I got so hooked to NWA as a kid, you know, just in the mid-'80s, watching Dusty versus Tully for the television championship was uh, was amazing to me. So TV championship uh, has so much prestige to it. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, let us know your comments. We are wrestling. Uh, com, PWmania.com, and, of course, Crave Wrestling Facebook page, Follow at Crave Wrestling and let us know your thoughts. Let's talk about wrestling. Listen, I I'm a busy man with the full schedule, but I can always talk about some wrestling. I love wrestling, as you know. Episode 173 in the books. Thank you so much, Gunner. Great interview. Uh, don't twist some some. You know, I'm a dirt sheet writer, so but I'm not, I'm gonna respectfully not twist the the questions that I asked for him uh, as far as the, uh, the Jesse Neal comment. Uh, so thank you so much for your time, Gunnar. Until next week, let's talk some wrestling. Follow follow us at Crave Wrestling on Facebook and on Twitter. Let's talk some wrestling. They loves Ian and Elijah. Have a great week, and God bless. Goodbye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.